welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net Minor League Baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the AAA Tacoma Rainiers. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with Darby Robinson, who is a park ranger with Mount Rainier National Park. And I'll be speaking with Chris Trabon, who is a Mariners fan with a unique perspective on the Tacoma Rainiers. And of course, Dan Simon of Studio Simon is back with another Studio Simon stumper. Right now, I'm very happy to be joined by Aaron Artman, who is the president for the Tacoma Rainiers. Aaron has been with the team since 2007. So you've been there with uh, Aaron for a couple of uh, versions of this, this, this Rainiers brand. Aaron, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes, I have. We've been through... Three iterations, but I think this one's going to last the the test of time. This one is is not going anywhere. So you know, people I think in general are familiar with with Mount Rainier as the uh, as a geological feature, right? It's a a mountain in the Pacific Northwest that if you have driven anywhere in the Pacific Northwest on a clear day, you've probably seen Mount Rainier. But can you tell me just how it came to be that the Either directly or indirectly, this this AAA baseball team in Tacoma, Washington, is is named for this nearby mountain. So it's an interesting historical story, really, because it's actually a Seattle name. And if there's one thing you should know about Tacoma, is Tacoma doesn't like anything they get handed from Seattle, right? Seattle's big brother. Seattle's. I, I always do the uh, analogy of you know Seattle is San Francisco and Tacoma is Oakland, so we're a lot nice. grittier. We're smaller, and the center of the universe up here is uh, allegedly in Seattle, and uh, so we have a little chip on our shoulder down here. And when George Foster, as I understand it, from Foster Farms Air, purchased the Rainiers in 1995, at that point they were the Tacoma Tigers, and he wanted to name it the Rainiers. Is that because of all the Tigers in in Washington? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of them. All right, that's good. uh, That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Well, Tacoma Tigers even goes back even further. That was the first professional baseball team in the Puget Sound area was Tacoma Tigers back in the turn of the century. So that's where that came from. Okay. So George Foster named it the Rainiers, us, our franchise, the Rainiers. And for a long time, um, people weren't in love with it. They wanted to go back to being the Tigers uh, because it was that Seattle name. And the Seattle uh, name of that team dates back to the old Rainier beer um, legacy. And during that time, he created a new Rainier script uh, the, and used Mariner's colors. And the logo itself, though, was almost looked to me, although now it's super cool and throwback and people buy it in droves, but it almost looked to me like the hat, the logo that was on the hat looked to me like a logo that should be on a company letterhead, right? It had the full Tacoma Rainier's on there. It had the mountain. I laugh every time we order new batches of it because personally, I'm like, that is not a great sports logo, right? You should have an icon, but people love it. It's come back into style. In fact, we're doing a 90s throwback. Our throwback weekends get stale because we just keep rotating through our six affiliates we've had besides the Mariners. Um, so we're going to, we are going to go back and have a full on 90s theme and wear the teal and have hats players wear with that, that mark. Anyway, I got here and I said, that's not a logo. That's a letterhead logo. We need something else on our hat. And we had this weird uh, compassy logo kind of playing off the, the Mariners, but in Rainier's colors with the navy in red uh, from, I think, 2009 to 2013. 
how we arrived at the R is the R existed in the script of the Rainiers that went across the jersey, but it was never separated as an icon like it used to be in the Seattle teams. And some smart people on our staff said, hey, why don't we throw an R on the hat and just uh, on a hat and let's see if it sells. And I said, yeah, that's a great mark. We should see if that sells. And at that point, we did not like the Compass logo anymore. It had, it had been a nice bridge, but we knew we needed something more permanent. So how the R became our icon and our logo and how we use it and We Are Tacoma and our city and all these things is kind of an antithesis to your typical logo thing. We didn't have it hire an agency. We didn't go through a design process. Literally, those hats started selling out like crazy. And we said, well, here's an idea. This is our best selling hat. People seem to love this mark. There's a lot we can do with it. Let's make it our logo. And so we made the R our logo. And we still use the same script that was developed in 1995 by uh, George Foster and his team going across the jersey. But really, that R stands for everything uh, we do and, and incorporate so many ways into the brand. And that was launched in 2014. And, you know, as, as we developed that, at the same time, we really started thinking about how this new stadium that we've, we've renovated, the team's becoming more popular. You know, the R should be a source of pride for the city and everything we do with this stadium should be kind of a beacon of aspiration for this city. And once we started thinking that way from a business perspective, things really took off and, and generated the merchandise sales and, and the kind of cult following the R has, quite frankly, all over the world. I mean, my parents saw R hat in Wimbledon, a British guy was wearing it. We see it on golf tournaments. We see it at other sporting events and it's it's just fantastic. Well, it is, you know, it's it's the single letter logos right you know they they probably would never get out of the first focus group these days but like you said you didn't do the focus groups and so no. you know you were able just to implement that the the r well, first of all i want to i want to say the your your assessment of the original logo with the you know the full tacoma the clip art baseball the rainier script the three colors in the illustration of the mountain itself you know it is very much you know, it is very much an illustration and not a logo, like you say. Yes. So it's it's not, you know, something that can be iconic. The R that you currently have, the red R, looks similar to but not identical to the the Rainier beer, which you mentioned as yeah. having a tie yeah. to the team back in the Seattle days. What is the current relationship? And I'll and I'll full disclosure, uh, I've been to one uh tacoma rainiers game we're going back this year with a van full of guys on our baseball palooza road trip we're hitting the pacific northwest for the first excellent time. we'll be there in august but i spent uh, a good portion of this game hanging out at the r bar in left field which was yes. a, a great place to watch the game a patio overlooking the field while you're drinking the, a yeah, the fire beer. pit and all that absolutely yeah so it was a great experience i also should say that it was the day of I just ran the the Seattle Rock and Roll half uh, marathon, and so we went straight from the half marathon to the Rainiers game, and so uh, we enjoyed a couple of beverages. To you uh, needed just... to be hydrated after that. Well, that's what the Rainier beer is there for, exactly. So, so anyway, we I mean, obviously the R Bar was a part of that. What's the relationship between the brands and the the team and the the beer now? So it's uh, the relationship's fine. It's friendly. Um, <laughs> We, we, when the R was developed, Rainier beer wasn't a brand again yet. So okay. actually we kind of have front position on that. And the way that works is that's, that's in our case, 
it's limited to you know sports merchandise things of that nature icons within our brand and they have it more for beer mm-hmm. um we have never had to get into a, a legal wrangling over the difference in the r's i happen to find our r to be a little bit girthier and more elegant um their r's a little bit skinnier and uh but you know most people i believe you know the diehard people in tacoma will say that's our r it's different I think the most people around the world would associate the two together if they're familiar with both brands. Um, so there's a relationship of probably uh, both of us liking and seeing the R and the different way it's used, uh, but there's not an official marketing relationship. And uh, we we work well together separately in peace. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's interesting. I mean, because it's uh, I didn't actually realize that there was no formal relationship there. No. I knew I knew they were not the same R, and uh, I have to say, whenever I see a Rainier's cap, that I look carefully at it because yes. I went to the University of Richmond, which yes. the the Richmond R is in the same vein, right? It's a script capital yeah. R, different from the Rainier's R. Okay, so I guess there there's probably no formal relationship between the team and the Mountain. But what is your personal relationship with the mountain? Do you go hiking there? Do you? I mean, I know you can see it beyond the outfield wall when it's a clear day from the ballpark. The mountain itself, what 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 role does it play in the life of the Tacoman? So it's really funny because I see Tacoma as a waterfront town. Hmm. You know, we're surrounded by water basically almost in every direction besides east where the mountain is. So that's mostly what I associate Tacoma with. And we also have the, the, I think the largest natural deep water port in the United States. And there's a lot of industry down there. And then there's beautiful little islands and, and kind of the more touristy side of the sound. So I'm, a, I'm scared to admit that I had not been to Mount Rainier until this past summer. Okay. And see, I grew up in the Portland area. So Mount Hood was my mountain. So I kind of had like, I like Mount Hood. I like that it has a sharp point on the top. This Mount Rainier thing, you know, looks like it blew at some point. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, so so there's ski resorts there associated with it. There's places you can stay. My family and I went up to the lodge and went on a hike. And I mean, you would have thought you were in the Swiss Alps. Like it was absolutely beautiful. So I'm a relatively novice Mount Rainier aficionado, but I can tell you it's absolutely dynamite. Um, but it has a lot of history to it. It, it used to be named Mount Tahoma. Um, that was changed maybe in the late 1800s. I think the the namesake of the mountain was actually a British admiral who won a naval battle, so it kind of doesn't make sense for a, a mountain in the United States. You might have to look up the history on that. Um, but it's it's got tribal significance. It's got historical significance, and it's a massive, beautiful national park, a couple ski resorts, you know, on the on the kind of foothills or side of it. And uh, it looms large. And there's some fantastic points like the R bar, as well as the uh, the uh, home run porch, where you have just beautiful views out on a clear day while you're watching the game. Um, so yeah, it's and it's kind of a you know it's really a symbol of summer's finally here, spring's here, beautiful fall day. Like when the mountains out, it's a good day in the Northwest. Absolutely. Mountains behind clouds, we're like ah, it may not be the best day today in the Northwest. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, the sort of the lack of the focus groups and the huge marketing firms and and all that sort of thing in developing this brand. One of the things that, you know, in today's minor league baseball landscape that you notice about a brand like this is that it is 
decidedly not wacky, right? Like it's a more serious approach to branding a baseball team. That obviously is an organizational approach that, you know, we're, we're not going to be silly. We're going to be serious. That I assume is going to continue. I, I assume that is definitely part of the, the organization's philosophy to, uh, about branding. It is. Uh, and I think for two reasons. One, I'll say I'm a traditionalist when it comes to baseball. I just think you have all this beautiful, wonderful history, the simplicity of the logos, the uniforms, um, you know, the, the, while there's some new rule changes, the game not ultimately changing very dramatically over time, that lends itself to a traditional logo. Um, and I think history, historically, look, this team's been here since 1960. We've been uh, affiliates of some of the, the most famous, iconic, traditional baseball marks and teams in the, in the uh, country. And, you know, when you've been here for that long to go the, the uh, more bizarre or goofy route uh, doesn't make much sense. Clearly that works in some markets for whatever the initiatives of those teams are, that works for those markets. Um, I think we're very cautious to try to create an experience at the ballpark and create products at the ballpark where we feel like we can be the best pound for pound sports and entertainment experience in the country. And so that lends itself to being decidedly not minor league. Um, even though we are a minor league, we understand that. Uh, and we understand the magnitude of major league and the, and the changes there. But for this market and the dynamics of this market and what people like, they seem to really like the traditional. And I think from a merchandise perspective too, when we brand whatever we can do to make things more lifestyle looking right, because not everybody wants to wear the traditional sports merchandise all over. And when we can just slap that little R on something in a, in a discreet place or someone else, somewhere else, it opens us up to way different brands, um, a bigger brand portfolio that we can sell, different styles that we can sell, um, particularly to women. Who, who tend to like different marks than your traditional big, bold, centered sports thing. And so I think that's a key to, to the brand working as well. So I'm a traditionalist. I think our market lends itself to traditionalists and the history of the team and how long we've been here in the same spot, the same stadium. I mean, we've done a massive renovation of the stadium and continue to do so, but our seating bowl is still the exact same view and exact same basic seats, new seats, but exact same location as if you would have attended a game in 1960. And so I believe we're the longest running, at least in the Pacific Coast League, uh, AAA franchise that stayed in the same city in the same stadium. And so there's a lot of history there to celebrate. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to get out to another game and have another beer at the R Bar this summer. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much. I really appreciate you, you hopping on and talking about the the Rainiers. Where can people find you online? Uh, TacomaRainiers.com. That's pretty easy. Aaron, thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone, welcome back. What a treat right now to be joined by the lead park guide from Mount Rainier National Park, Darby Robinson with the National Park Service. Darby, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. We So you and I have never met. We emailed a little bit before this interview. I see now as I'm logging on, you've got the, the Rainiers, the sort of classic Rainiers baseball cap. So clearly you're you're a, you're a minor league baseball fan. You understand the significance of the the team to the community. But you work in a place that is, you know, obviously not related to the team. You work at one of our treasured natural places out there in the world, Mount Rainier National Park. 
What does Mount Rainier mean to that part of the country? It's a great question. It, it means so much. And this, I, I've worked at some really spectacular parks and they're all amazing in their own way. But Mount Rainier is almost a little unique in the sense that it, it, it like defines the entire region. Um, I, I guess not too dissimilar than like the Grand Canyon that like kind of fits the entire state of Arizona. Mount Rainier is Washington and it is kind of an icon of the entire Northwest. I mean, you'll have, we're on the license plate, you'll have the name and the image everywhere from car dealerships to beer to uh, pretty much everywhere. You'll have this mountain's image everywhere because you can kind of see it from everywhere as well. So it's, it's just a special, special iconic place that just means so much to so many Washingtonians. Sure. So it's, you know, being being so so prominent, so prevalent within, you know, or, or throughout the, the state, is there something about Tacoma in particular? Is there a reason that Tacoma would embrace uh, Mount Rainier with their iconography and for the name of their their team? So Tacoma in, in particular, it's kind of a funny long term rivalry with Seattle, uh, both of these cities, but Tacoma is named Tacoma based off of one of the indigenous names for Mount Rainier. So our mountain, it's visible from 200 miles in every direction. And so it's going to have a lot of different names. Um, there's been human habitation in this area for over 9,000 years. And every single indigenous tribe of this area had a name that they called this. And Tacoma, Tahoma, Taco Bet, uh, are, are some of several names there, but Tacoma became one of the more popular, um, I guess, uh, different names than than the official geographic, U.S. Geographic Service name. Um, Tacoma itself, uh, Mount Tacoma, became a very popular one, obviously, for the city of Tacoma, and there was a push to rename Mount Rainier in the early days to Mount Tacoma, uh, that the Seattle, the city of Seattle actually kind of quashed or at least uh, heavily opposed, I should say, because <laughs> it would give, you know, maybe Tacoma a little too much of that uh, tourism buzz. But I think for the city of Tacoma, some of the best views are from there. It's got this name that that resonates with it. And so I think they really do feel a very close kinship to our mountain. This hat that you have behind you here, did you get that out of game? I did. Yeah. Oh, you got it. You kind of, it, it's one of the more popular kind of, you, you know, you're a real Washingtonian. If you're, if you're rocking either a Rainier's hat or gear or a Rainier beer gear, like, which are very distinctive ours. I found out yeah. they, they look very similar, but are not, they're not the same. You put them side by side. You can absolutely tell the difference. Yeah. And that was before I started this episode, before I started, you know, researching this team, I kind of thought they were the same R. Very much they are not the same R. Let me ask you this about Rainier beer. What's the perception of Rainier beer out there? For 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 us out here, it's sort of like that, you know, it's it's a it's a fairly budget beer that's at the game. So it's like kind of the it's there's those local staples that everybody yeah. kind of tends to to enjoy. What's funny though, too, I think with with that company in particular the iconography of like climbing uh, of of the mountains, it's so like connected and it its name is so tied to this mountain. And it's kind of funny that there's so many things named after this mountain. And I don't know if anybody actually knows the 
who the person that this whole thing is named after, but our mountain has sort of taken over that name. Yeah. Who's the person who, who was Mount Rainier named for? So the, this was all named by uh, explorer George Vancouver uh, when he sailed into Commencement Bay in the Puget Sound. And he saw this mountain. He was the first European uh, to see this mountain, to cast eyes on it, and decided to name it after his friend, uh, another uh, British Royal Navy Admiral, uh, okay. Peter uh, Rainier, who never saw the mountain to all circumstances he was stationed mostly down in south america that he probably never saw it himself but what a what a gift what a really impressive friend but uh peter rainier not super significant in history besides uh the things that were named after him so maybe he was just like a really good chum for some people but uh <laughs> i think what's what's very fun is that the fact that his last name has rain in it and i think a lot of people we get a lot of visitors that assume that the name mount rainier uh, is about the fact that it rains a lot or we get a right. lot of precipitation that we're, right. you know, Mount Rainier is the snowiest place on planet earth where weather is recorded regularly. So it's like, oh, it makes sense. It's precipitation, but it's like, nope, British Admiral instead. How about that? <laughs> so, all right, this is going to be like the, the quintessential, like worst question that interpreters at parks get. Someone shows up at, at Mount Rainier National Park they have, I don't know, they have an afternoon. They're they're doing a cross-country road trip, Griswold style, and they've given themselves three and a half hours at Mount Rainier National Park. <laughs> what do I what does that visitor do at Mount Rainier National Park? It's a good question because it really does vary depending upon the season you come to visit us. Oh, yeah. You know, right now, if you're coming, we have 15 feet of snow on the ground. So you might drive up to Paradise, which is the highest point that we plow in the yeah. wintertime. Uh, and maybe do a snowshoe walk uh, or or a ski and uh, kind of if you're very lucky and you're on one of the days that the mountain is actually out and clear and you can see it, uh, maybe get a nice glimpse of a very snowy peak. But uh, if you're coming in the summertime, maybe you're coming up to to uh, drive the, the scenic roads. This this park was one of the very it's one of the few parks that actually if you only have a few hours this was the first park that actually allowed automobiles inside. So the roads are designed specifically to show off the park from the car. So you can basically take that family road trip uh, in the uh, the stuffed uh, station wagon and explore, pull out at the, the different viewpoints, get some amazing sights of the mountain, some great wildflowers and meadows, maybe a, a marmot on the side of the road and marmot. and then uh, and then be then keep keep on going. I love this. All right, so this is, and if you need a moment to think about the answer to this question, I, you know, I'm okay, and we can we can edit it here if we need to. But what are some distinctive qualities of Mount Rainier compared to other notable mountains? Like, what are what are some distinguishing qualities of Mount Rainier as compared to you know other mountains that we know out there? So the, so the big thing with Mount Rainier that sets us aside, because it's not just raw height. Uh, we stand 14,410 feet, which is really tall, but it's fifth tallest in the contiguous United States. It's bumped way down when it comes to, uh, to adding in Alaska. Uh -huh, um, yeah. But the key there is there's other ways to measure a mountain. Okay. And oftentimes, whatever makes your mountain rank higher, that's the one you kind of prefer. But for me, it, it just so happens I also think it's one of the more special ways to measure mountain. And that's by prominence. 
uh, and basically the height, you take the height of the tallest point on your mountain and then the next tallest point on the horizon. Okay. And so Mount Rainier becomes now the third tallest uh, mountain by prominence at over 9,000 feet um, in the entirety of the United States. And that's only third behind Denali in Alaska, uh -huh. which beats us in every category you can imagine raw sure. height prominence you know <laughs> Denali. so we just always like to exclude alaska because it's of like course. not fair uh they have too much they have, they're too big they have too much cool stuff um but behind denali and um uh mauna loa in hawaii of course. Uh, of course so you you think of that and when you think of prominence when you think of like what that is you're thinking of like a mount fuji yeah. or a kilimanjaro this amazing mountains that like stand in the horizon that just rise up forever it's it's not a mountain tucked in the uh in like the big mountain chains yeah or yeah. like the rockies or even like um everest yeah. where everything is super tall but it's all kind of there right it, this what makes kind of mount rainier so special is that you can see it from downtown tacoma you can see it from the rainier stadium at sure. Cheney field it's in the horizon and it's it's that amazing almost surreal it doesn't look real when you're driving on like interstate five and there's this yeah humongous impossibly big mountain just stretching out of nowhere this huge volcano it's uh that's what makes it so 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 special and so so unique is that it just towers and dominates over the entire landscape well i can absolutely relate to what you're talking about here because i live in colorado and so i can see you know i can see the rocky mountains from my hometown here in fort collins and you know we have we have 50 I, I, people argue about this because it depends on how you measure it but we have like 53 what we call 14ers right like mm -hmm. so and you're familiar with that term obviously but you know for the for the listener a 14er is a mountain whose elevation exceeds 14,000 feet our tallest mountain is mount elbert 14,439 feet and Mount Massive is right next to it and is like six feet shorter right like so we have we have all these mountains that all these 14ers, but they all start at like 10,000 feet. So like from, from base to, to peak, they're only like 4,000 feet high. Right. Like, so their, their prominence is way less than what you're describing for, for Mount Rainier here. I'm trying the reason I asked this question is because I always try to think of with a, uh, you know, with a, with a baseball mascot, with a logo, what, you know, what is it about that, that makes it a, an appropriate baseball logo? Can you think of what is it about Mount Rainier that would make it a good baseball logo nickname mascot for a team? Well, I think, I think with, you know, in the major leagues, you have the Colorado Rockies. I think natural landmarks are kind of a, a fun way to, to kind of measure and keep that pride of a region, right? Mm -hmm. You want to pick something that defines a region and what defines something more than just a gigantic volcano, that's something that's like ever present. So yeah, plus plus you have like a giant volcano. So it's like you could erupt for a lot of runs. You could absolutely oh. overwhelm and just absolutely overwhelm somebody with a lahar flow. Uh, you you can uh, shake up the lineup with some earthquakes. I don't know. There's a lot of you. Could, really good. I feel like the social media team can do a lot of fun with that. Yeah. No, and you're really good at this though. That was all really good. I, <laughs> I, I like that a lot. So this is this is a place Mount Rainier is a place that people might see from left field of a Tacoma Rainiers game. They might see as their 
flying into Seattle and they, you know, they see it as they land and that, you know, it's this sort of passing, this passing moment with them or, or, you know, for me, I visited the Pacific Northwest on a baseball road trip. I'm going to visit again. We're actually going to a Rainier's game in August. You are there all day and not all day, every day. Hopefully they let you go home, but you're, you're there all the time, <laughs> right? Like this is your, this is your, your, your career, your vocation to, to, to get to interpret Mount Rainier to, to visitors and to work with other people who interpret Mount Rainier. What is it? What's the, 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 the very most like special thing that you want people who, who only get to see it in a passing way. What is it that you want them to understand about this place? If, if they, if they could understand it the way you understand it. That's a really good question because this is a place that people travel from all over the world to see uh, and I get to, you know, kind of work there and get to have that as my backyard. Um, I think what makes it so special is that it's constantly, it's dynamic, it's constantly changing. And it will constantly change. We we have evidence to what could change in the future in the same cascades to Mount St. Helens, an eruption that happened not too long ago, very recent to yeah. a lot of Washingtonians. Yeah. Um, you have Crater Lake, which is a giant hole that was filled after a massive, super massive eruption. So you have potential what this could look like in the future if it does, if it loses its top, if it, it actually drops. You have glaciers. This is the single most glaciated peak. That's something that I think anytime I talk to people about the glaciers and get people to point those out, they're so special because there really isn't a lot of glaciers around the planet it, yeah. or anymore. Yeah. And, and fewer, fewer, fewer and fewer yeah. Yeah, every day. <laughs> um, our, all of our glaciers, there's 25 named glaciers on this mountain. That's that's the same number of glaciers as there are in all of Glacier National Park. Yeah, uh, This is the single most glaciated peak. So getting to be up close and see sort of a living thing, it's, you know, glaciers are a, a natural feature, but we do sort of talk about them in almost live life and death circumstances because they are moving, they're, they're changing, they're growing and receding and so seeing the the life on this mountain both the the living the mammals the the birds the the plants seeing the glaciers seeing the changes from season to season from year to year is very very special to be able to to see this mountain kind of grow to for the very brief moments that that we'll be here this mountain is much older than all of us it'll outlive all of us it'll keep growing that's the nature of geology but you get to sort of see all the differences and changes and the dynamicness of this place up close and people should get to experience it. And I think once you do once, you'll want to come back and experience it again and see what's changed. There's so many parallels, I think, between people who, you know, have life lists of, of baseball stadiums, which is something that I do, you know, I have a, I have a ballpark list. So many people I know have these life lists for national parks, right? Like, and there are, there are national parks, there are other designations from the National Park Service. So there are a ton of national park units out there. And, you know, Mount Rainier is definitely one of the one of the most important ones in the country. And so I so appreciate you coming on and talking about it, because I just I you know, the passion that that in, interpreters have for the places that they interpret to me is just so you know, it's it's infectious. And it's so cool to, to get to talk to you about this. I, you, we talked about your Rainier's cap back there. Do you have a team? Is there a favorite? Uh, what, what's your rooting interest in baseball? So I, 
I do. My wife and I do go to a lot of Mariners games. We do okay. love we and and Rainier's games. They're both a lot of fun. We're yeah. we're not too far away, so we we're huge baseball fans. I am from Florida originally. I am I am uh, from Tampa, fifth generation. So okay. I actually am a, a not lifelong, but it's when I was ten, I got my first uh, piece of Devil Rays gear when it's just when they just <laughs> became a team. So I am a Rays fan. Very good. Few out there, but. Uh, but no, we, we, you know, the Mariners uh, and the Rainiers, we, we kind of like, it's nice to have some local teams. So we, we've definitely adopted them, but uh, as perfect. long as they're, as long as the Rays aren't in town, I'll be rooting, rooting hard for them. That's about as good an answer as you can give right there. You wrote, you rooted <laughs> for the hometown team that you grew up with. You'll root for the, for the, for the Mariners when it doesn't interfere with your, your Rays, your devil Rays. I, I love it. So <laughs> where can people find Mount Rainier on online, on social media, that sort of thing. Yeah, we we're on pretty much every social media. We have a Twitter page we mostly use for road updates, but we'll have a lot of cool stuff on our Instagram and Facebook page. So just look for the verified badges on all of those. But uh, yeah, Mount Rainier National Park. And then check our website, um, nps.gov slash M-O-R-A to yeah. uh, find out what's going on in the park, current conditions, uh, and things like that. And, you know, hopefully uh, we'll we'll be able to maybe do some more uh, outreach stuff with the Tacoma Rainiers, uh, get some get some actual baseball uh, action because that's everyone loves that. We've we've thrown out the first pitch at the Mariners. We've we've worked with the Mariners moose before. We got to we got to get with the Tacoma Rainiers. Tacoma Rainiers. Are you listening? Holy smokes. That's just such a natural partnership right there. Darby, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me uh, about Mount Rainier, this beautiful place near this this great ballpark. Maybe we'll catch you uh, at Mount Rainier National Park during Baseball Palooza in August. Sounds good. All we'll, right. We'll give you a tour. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Darby. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I am so happy to be joined right now by longtime listener of the podcast, longtime very good friend of mine, my running buddy and Mariners fan, Chris Trabon. Chris, hello. How are you? I'm great, Paul. I'm great. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate I, it. I feel like I should have also introduced you as the co-star of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Uh, you you will be appearing on a forthcoming episode. Uh, as recorded in Denver with me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. So we we are co-stars with Judge John Hodgman on his podcast. We run together. We solve the world's problems. We talk baseball all the time. We talk about minor league baseball logos, not just because we are, you know, great baseball fans, but because minor league baseball logos are great. Uh, I will say I, I love talking minor league baseball logos with you. I think – I think you do such an awesome job on this podcast, which is one of the reasons why I'm really excited to be here. It's I, you are the only person in the social media kind of Twitter sphere that is positive. And I really admire you for that. I admire the job you do. And, and especially in sports, you're not, you're not Paul, the gatekeeper whatsoever. You make this very accessible. And I think that's why it's so easy to talk to you about minor league baseball logos. Well, it's awfully kind of you. I am joined out there by some uh, – there There are some uniquely positive people in their own ways. I know that you're not a big Twitter guy necessarily, so you know I uh, I do have to – whenever you talk about positivity on the Twitter sphere, Eric the Peanut Guy from the Tri-City Dust Devils, Pat Larson of uh, the Minor League Baseball Hat History, 
Ed Rivera of the Dad Hat Chronicles, Anity Tommaso of the Baseball Bucket List. Yeah, the list goes on and on. We got, you know, it's a beautiful, but that's the thing. This 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 beautiful world of minor league baseball brings out the positivity in in people, and so it's so much fun to talk about. But you you have created a really cool a cool space, a cool group of people. Uh, those people that you mentioned, I, I've I've heard them on your podcast before. Um, it, it, in a way, I almost feel like I kind of know them. If they went running with us we'd get along like a house on fire, right? You you know that that's true. Actually, I kind of love this idea. I love the idea of getting together like the Curved Brim Media Gang to, to go for a run and talk about talk about baseball. And it's uh, I think it would go really well. So, hey, let's talk about your Tacoma Rainiers. You are a uh, born and bred Seattle Mariners fan, long suffering. I mean, we've been we've been running together for, you know, a decade plus. You've been talking about like this is this is the year for the Mariners. Like for <laughs> April, May, early June is like this is it. The Mariners. You were there with me at a Colorado Springs Sky Sox game when I interviewed Jabari Blash, who was then with the Tacoma Rainiers, and that was best, like that best that baseball was, name ever. Jabari Blash. I mean, come on, like what a great <laughs> baseball name. I'll just I want to just sort of start with this, like. Primarily, I mean, your fandom, I mean, I appreciate your kind words about the podcast and our conversations about minor league baseball, but primarily your fandom of baseball is uh, relative to your major league team, the Seattle Mariners, who broke their 20-year curse this year. What does it mean to you as a Mariners fan that that the AAA team is like right down the road and is, you know, part of the sort of larger area and is, is part of this I mean, Tacoma and Seattle are, are almost like, you know, growing together into into one town these days. How important is that to you as a fan of the Mariners? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, I grew up a Mariners fan. I went to one game at the Kingdome. I went to a, a game up in Bellingham when I was a kid. I've been to a couple Rainiers games. And I guess to answer the question, does the proximity to Seattle isn't super important to me, but having the same team over the course of my life being that triple a team, I think it, it is, it's cool to think about that, right? It's cool to know that th these players that I followed in Tacoma are then boom um, on the Mariners and to really grow with them. And, and I would say you mentioned here, our running history, we started running together in 2000 or we, we knew each other in 2007, right? That's when we were introduced. The Mariners have been terrible since then. I vividly <laughs> remember telling you, we had a conversation about how many playoff games the Phillies have been in, in your life. And it mm -hmm. was, you're not, you're not like, you could probably get that number, but it might take you a while. Yeah. And I could tell you like the Mariners have been in a dozen playoff games in my life. They've yeah. been to the playoffs four times at that point. And your, your, your response was just this like, Oh, <laughs> well and it didn't help that the phillies you know were in the midst of this i mean to 07 you know when we started hanging out when you moved to fort collins that was the start of an unprecedented stretch of success for the phillies right like the you know the, their first divisional title in more than a decade in 07 and then to win the world series in 2008 and then to win three more division titles before falling into obscurity and having the second longest playoff drought going into the last year's postseason behind only your Seattle Mariners and their 20-year playoff drought, which, by the way, reminds me, the moment that playoff drought ended, I was you and I had gone for a run. It was early October. 
I showed up at your house. We ordered some pizza. I showed up at your house with a six pack of what else but Rainier beer. You looked at the six pack and of course turned your nose up to it and said, <laughs> I said, okay. And I drank a couple of them. I took the rest home because I knew you weren't going to drink them. You were going to use them to like water the lawn. It's not great beer, right? Like it's probably, I have compared it to Yingling. People like where I grew up, you know, they love, love, love Yingling. It's not that good beer. I apologize to everyone who's hearing this who loves Yingling. It's not that great a beer. To me, Rainier beer is like the Yingling of, of the Pacific Northwest. But I had a couple. And that night, Cal Raleigh, whose nickname is the big dumper, the big dumper. He broke, he, he, he hit the home run, the game clinching walk-off home run that broke the Mariners playoff less streak while I was drinking a Rainier beer. Is there, does that give you any pause at all to think like, okay, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I will have a Rainier beer here because <laughs> you know, there's the connection between the beer and the Mariners and then the beer and the, the Tacoma Rainiers baseball team. Any any nostalgia there? Any any sort of uh, pulling on the heartstrings? I love that story, and I love the fact that we got to experience that together. I'll remember that home run for a long time. It's one of the, you know, five signature Mariner moments over the mm-hmm. course of my life. Yeah, yeah. Rainier beer. I would compare it more to the Coors Light, to the to the PBR mm. PBRs of the world. And again, yeah. apologies to the Rainier Beer Company. Uh, <laughs> they're they're okay. Okay, I figured they were. Uh, but but it's also, you know, Paul, I, I, your your um your listeners know from your opening that you live in Fort Collins, Colorado, home of oh, Odell's yeah. and all these great breweries. Mm-hmm. It's really tough that um that we have these to stack up against Rainier beer. True. True. We are we're in like, you know, we're one of the many places that considers itself the beer capital of the world. You know, New Belgium. I mean, people like Fort Collins has turned on New Belgium since they sold out to a multinational conglomerate, right? Like so now it's you know, now it's Odell and then like many, there's like 17 other like small breweries right here in this tiny little town of ours. So it's a lot of good beer here. There's a lot of good beer here. If Fort Collins had its own minor league baseball team, I'm pretty sure it would have to be like named after beer in, in some way. You, you've been to, you know, you said one or two, like just not that many Rainier's games. So, so one, one, when I was a kid, and then okay. I've been to a couple, I've, I've been to Cheney a couple times over okay. the last, let's say seven years. Okay. And, and just loved it. Like, you know, the stadium's awesome. It's, mm-hmm. it's in that pretty suburban area yeah. uh, of Tacoma. Um, the views are awesome. Uh, I love the, the Rainier moose Yeah, and, and yeah. that, you know, that whole thing he's doing. Um, and I've got to see some really cool pl- players that have come up through the system. Um, you know, you and I have a great memory of going down to Colorado Springs and watching them. And uh, obviously you mentioned Jabari Blash, uh, yeah. best name in baseball. <laughs> and that dude was a stud, but we also saw, we also saw Chris Taylor um, yeah. when he was, and he gave a, he gave a ball to, to my son, Jack, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife fell in love with him. Yeah. Uh, but that's another story. We all uh, did a little bit that day. <laughs> we did. I love, love Chris Taylor. You know, that's, that's the one that got away. Right. <laughs> So, but okay. So you mentioned your, your son, you've got uh, Jack and Ryan because you're a huge fan of the uh, Jack Ryan series on Amazon, your children, you know, walk around in Rainier stuff. You have a Rainier sticker on your car. You, you have, you know, you, they, the, the kids, Ryan in particular, because of the R he's got the, the R Rainier's cap there. So 
what is it, you know, what's that experience for you? Like seeing your kids who have, you know, basically were born and raised in Colorado walking around in Tacoma Rainier's gear. Why is that important to you? Yeah, I I, I love it. Um, there's an identity you have with your, with your professional team. And I have Mariners gear for every day of the week. Not, maybe not to the extent of your Phillies collection, but um, <laughs> I, I could probably wear a different piece of Mariner clothing every day. And, and to me, you know, when I see someone in Mariner gear out, out and about, which is very rare if I'm not yeah. in Seattle, yeah, I freak out. Like I, it, it's great to me. I want to, I want to find out why they're there, what their story is. If they're wearing the minor league affiliate of my team, it's a whole right. nother story, right? Totally. It's, it's a deeper connection. And I think, I have a certain amount of pride knowing that, yeah, my, my kids are, are rocking that, you know, that same passion that I have for, uh, for the minor league affiliate yeah. of, of the Mariners. Right. Um, they're not, they, they, they couldn't name any Rainiers. And, and quite honestly, I think my kids still think Felix and Kyle Seeger still play for, <laughs> for the Mariners, but um, now Julio will change all that. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for my kids and, and everybody else in the country, but uh, to answer your question, I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, lo I love being able to have that deeper connection with the major league team that I am so passionately, um, you know, follow so passionately yeah. for so long. And I'm sure a lot of people, I think that's the interest in minor league ball, right? It's, it's, it's taking your fandom to just a slightly deeper level and, and I don't know, it doesn't get much better than triple a. The, the experience and and the level of ball is pretty amazing. I actually totally agree with this. this is sort of an interesting sort of philosophical question to me. If aliens landed, you know, in a spaceship in a field and showed up at your doorstep and demanded to be taken to a baseball game that represented the sport in its purest form, I would have I would go to either a double A game or a triple A game. I think one of those two, you know, it has has to be it. And so yeah. It's it's a certain way of appreciating minor league baseball. And there are different ways of appreciating minor league baseball, right? Because for me, it's the branding, it's the experience, it's the between innings things, it's like the atmosphere of being at a ball game. But there is very much a way of appreciating minor league baseball, which is I'm a fan of a team and I'm going to go and I'm going to check out the prospects. I'm going to, you know, if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm going to check out Andrew Painter in Lakewood and see, you know, how, how he's doing with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. You know, we've, we've commented already. We both live in Colorado. The, the, the Modesto Nuts used to be a Rockies affiliate, and now they're a Mariners affiliate. So you must see a lot of, you know, I, I've been to Rockies games and seen Modesto Nuts caps walking around. You know, when those affiliations change, it creates a little bit of that confusion, right? Like you see a Modesto nuts cap. It's either like, Hey, there's a Mariners fan, or that's a Rockies fan who got this out a while ago. Or it's someone like me who went to a minor league baseball game and had to buy a hat and has way too many of them. now. <laughs> well, part of the, again, the other thing about AAA, maybe this is what you're, where you were going is the, that affiliation, at least with the Mariners has stayed the same. Yeah. With, with the lower, with the lower leagues it, it, that shuffled a lot. I, I went to a game in Jackson, Tennessee when the Mariners affiliate double a affiliate was the generals mm -hmm. amazing game amazing experience talked about Jabari Blash with an older dude who who was you know who, who was there just a huge fan of the Mariners like me there by himself and got to talk prospects going back to you know the early 2000s for a team that by the way hadn't 
been to the playoffs in 20 or at that time, maybe 15 seasons. Right. Just an amazing experience. But the Jackson Generals are no longer a Mariners affiliate, right? They, they've moved on to somebody else. Yeah. Well, and the Mariners' new double-A affiliate is the Arkansas Travelers. I'm actually, at the time that this episode drops, I'm going to be like a week away from my first ever Arkansas Travelers game. So on one of our many runs, you know, maybe Tuesday morning at 545 in the pitch dark, we're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to like give me the lowdown on who are the players I need to be checking out on the Arkansas Travelers when I'm there for opening day in uh, in April. That's exciting. I'll dig in. Yeah, I accept absolutely. your challenge. Yeah. And we do have a lot of time to talk about these things on, on runs. Uh, you and I have run a couple of full marathons together. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> you know, we had, we had a full four hours to talk about all this stuff at the Phoenix Marathon just uh, you know, a few short years ago. Uh, we solved a lot of problems. We have solved a lot of so many of problems. the world's problems. I, I, you know, this is going to be my other podcast someday. We, we, we've talked about this. I'm just going to record our conversations that we have while we run and uh, just just post them. And everyone will hear all of our recipes that we talk about. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are we wearing to work that day? <laughs> Chris Trevon, co-star of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you so much for, for joining me and talking about the Mariners and your Tacoma Rainiers. We will uh, get together and you can have one of your like earwax IPAs. <laughs> and I will have one of my, you know, caramel shoe polish porters. And we'll talk about how we're not drinking Rainier beer. Paul, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, bud. Okay. Chris is not on social media. Uh, I will put his cell phone number and email address in the show notes. <laughs> Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast. At long last, every Tuesday, you show up at 545 for one of our runs. I show up at 547 for one of our runs. And you are there listening to this week's episode. It's uh, it's an honor that you listen. Thanks for coming on the show at long last. Go Mariners. It is time once again for America's favorite podcast segment, Studio Simon Stumpers. Dan Simon of Studio Simon, designer extraordinaire, prolific minor league baseball and other sports branding logo expert. Dan, how are you? I am spectacular today. Thank you very much for asking. How are you, Paul? I'm doing well, but the, the last few weeks you have been, to to coin a baseball phrase, you have been bringing the heat with uh, your studio Simon Stumpers here. So I'm kind of I'm licking my wounds. Got to have a short memory. Got to come into this at-bat confident here, hoping to, to get, get off the mat. I'm trying to just pull all of my baseball euphemisms out here. So uh, I'm, I'm ready. Even though this this segment's called Studio Simon Stumpers, I'm not trying to stump you. I'm not trying to make this difficult. <laughs> um, and every single time, there, I think there was one that we've done so far where you just made a wild guess. Yeah. But every single time you've got thinking that is spot on. Now, whether that leads to the correct answer or not, um, it, to me, it's not important. You're, you're, you're always on the right track. And I'm not trying to trip you up or anything. I actually want, I'm rooting for you. I want you to, to barrel up the ball and, and hit the ball over the wall. So um, let's see how you do today. All right. Uh, let's get at it. With, with a, a minor league baseball brand identity that's based uh, on a team named Named after a mountain, Mount Rainier, our question today deals with mountains. Oh, um, mountains. There, have been, there have been numerous minor league baseball logos that, whether in the primary logo, the cap logo, or other 
wise in their logo suite um, have have featured mountains in it. Okay. Uh, you've got the Tennessee Smokies, the West Virginia Black Bears, Colorado Springs Sky Sox, Asheville Tourists, even the Tucson Padres. I, I can go on and on. There's there's there are others as well. Okay. So, a question today asks. Which of these particular clubs brand identity features a logo with mountains that are not even in the state in which their stadium is located? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So your possibilities are a, the Johnson city Cardinals, an, an identity that no longer exists because they got uh, downsized and are now um, playing by a different name. So a, the Johnson city Cardinals, B, the Idaho Falls Chuckers, or C, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Okay, so one of these teams has a logo that features mountains, but those mountains are not in the very state in which that team plays. Yeah, so the Johnson City Cardinals, the Idaho Falls Chuckers, which is my my immediate inclination is to go with the Chuckers and the uh, are the uh, Northwest Arkansas Naturals. I've been to both the Chuckers game and the Naturals game. I can picture their logos. The Naturals, I know they have like the waterfall. They've got this whole sort of like nature scene. So that would be a possibility. The Chuckers... You know they're they're playing in Idaho and there's mountains all around them out there in in the West, in different states for sure. The Johnson City Cardinals, I can't picture mountains in their logo. I'm not picturing mountains in that logo. Well, let me say this. Let me say this. This is because I want to make sure you're you're not fooling your your or tripping yourself up. The question wasn't do these teams have mountains. Each each of these teams have logos with mountains in them. Okay. So each, there were mountains in all three of the logo identities for the teams we're we're asking about here. Okay. Which makes me think, as I said, uh, my inclination was towards Idaho Falls. Here's and here's another another sort of point in favor of Idaho Falls, is that I know that you created that logo. I don't know who created Northwest Arkansas and Johnson City. So you might have certain insight into Idaho Falls. Idaho Falls, Chuckers, final answer. Okay. When um, Whenever you say okay like that, it means I got it wrong. <laughs> when, <laughs> have I tipped my hat? You, my, uh, you have. Tipped tip my cards. I'm sorry. I got, I got that. <laughs> oh, you tipped your cards. Johnson City Cardinals, final answer. No, no, no. You've already given an answer. And when I am watching, um, when I'm playing... Trivial Pursuit with my wife and my son, Casey, with something, whenever he comes home to visit, we're, that board's always brought out and we're playing at least one, if not several games of Trivial Pursuit. One of the oft said phrases that you will hear in the Studio Simon breakfast room is always go with your first answer. And the okay. first thing you said is my first thought is, Idaho Falls Chuckers. And then you were starting to think it over and you were, um, I was thinking, okay, he's going to pick a different one because he's thinking it through. And then you you went with final answer, Idaho Falls Chuckers. In this case, 
The adage holds true. Always go with your first answer. You are correct. Paul. Holy smokes. Okay. Thank goodness. Okay. So here's <laughs> the here's the deal. Well, first of all, let's talk about the other two. Okay. In Johnson City, you have the you have Buffalo Mountain right there within the city limits. Mm -hmm. So for for sure, not only is it are there mountains pictured in their logo in the same state, they're in the same city. Um, with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, you mentioned the waterfalls, and there's also something suggesting a mountain. And you've got in Northwest Arkansas the Ozarks. Mm -hmm. um, for any of you who, who have not seen the Jason Bateman TV show, Ozark, watch it. It's worth the watch. Super good. Um, and with regard to the Idaho Falls Chuckers, um, I don't think it's any surprise that with playing in a city named Idaho Falls, you are in Idaho. Um, however, the mountains featured there are the Grand Tetons, which are in Wyoming. So they're big and you can see them. Paul, you mentioned you've been to a game there. Um, you 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 can see them they're just in the the neighboring state so you're correct and so your um your 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 box score now has a a hit in the hit column thank goodness to get get back uh, to get off the schneid there to to finally put one in the win column dan simon of studio simon thank you once again for your studio simon stumpers we will catch you next time thank you dan you're welcome paul um looking forward to that next time bye-bye